Hello, lady. Gals and geckos, it's time for another episode of Oral Gex. This is definitely the first time we <laughs> said that today. I'm your host, Isabel Castrol. And I'm your other host, Amelia Laserwalker. Uh, and today we're going to talk about Gex a little bit. Um, full disclosure, uh, we did start talking for maybe about 10 minutes without realizing that the the, the record button had not been hit. I don't think we need to redo that whole bit, but uh, just to kind of summarize what we discussed, uh, we were talking about the power-ups as they were described in the manual. Uh, I gave Amelia a little pop quiz. She did not do very well. I did not pass. I I would go so far as to say that you failed. There are 10 power-ups in this game. Neither one of us know what any of them do, and we've been playing this game for a couple weeks now. Uh, So that's not ideal. But yeah, um, the most interesting thing I think that came out of that conversation that you missed is that uh, what I thought was very interesting is if you check out this manual, um, every single one of these immediately after it describes the what it does, so like gives you a health point, whatever, uh, it says it has an immediate effect. And every single one of these in this manual says that it has an immediate effect, which to me is kind of like, I think you could just admit that. I think it's kind of implied. Right, you play the game and you understand, but I don't know. I yeah, I was I was hypothesizing the existence of of dropped power ups from the game when when some poor designer designed some overcomplicated power ups and then realized that a power up that did not take effect immediately was incredibly confusing and a bad idea. Yeah, which I think is a very good point, and uh, we will really dig into that next week when we get the lead designer of Gex on the podcast. Um, Spoilers, yeah. Who knows that that's actually going to happen, but I'm calling the shot now. So uh, if you're the lead designer of Gex, uh, hit me up. Get it slide into my DMs. Shoot me an email. Uh, look us up in the phone book. Look us up in the phone book. See if I'm in the white pages and the yellow pages. Uh, is Oral Gex a business? I don't know. Better find out. Um, anyway. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I also did want to point out sort of a thing we discussed, a, a design tweak that I noticed, which was, in the first episode, we had a discussion where I talked about how much I really liked the mechanic where you can either eat a power-up for its ability or you can tail whip it to get a health. And then I realized this week that doesn't actually matter. Because um, like other than, other than the one-ups matter, because you can decide do I want a one-up or some health. But otherwise, it is either the, the like white lizard power-up that gives you a health no matter what, or any of the other power-ups that... Uh, they don't literally give you like a little paw HP symbol, but they functionally give you an extra HP because when you get hit, you lose that power up and you don't lose a health. So in those situations, you always want to eat them. It is strictly better than whipping it. So this is sort of downgraded from an interesting decision to nothing. <laughs> yeah, base. it's pretty much bull, basically. Uh, so we're going to talk about Jungle World. And Kung Fu Land, Kung Fu, I keep saying Kung Fu Land, which is nothing. Uh, The manual says that it's Kung Fu World. The game says it's Kung Fu Ville. I always say Kung Fu Land, (laughs) which is neither of those things. Um, 
probably thanks to uh, Toonland from last last week. So, well, and similarly, the the Gex Wiki describes the jungle area as both a jungle isle and jungle world. Oh Jesus! Okay, who can say? Who can say except for the people that made these decisions who will be held accountable for their crimes? Uh, on this podcast at some point in the future, I hope. Anyway, uh, then, you know, this is about the point in our previous uh, non-recording that we started talking about Jungle World. So you're pretty much caught up now, dear listener. I, I apologize for uh, the loss of content. And basically, Amelia, we're just starting to talk about, you know, like Jungle World. We were kind of bracing ourselves for it to be a little problematic, a little uh, insensitive to subcultures, maybe. And uh, you were pleasantly surprised that it, it wasn't quite as bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that it wasn't problematic, but it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Ladies and gentlemen, gals and geckos could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So there is like there is there is some some weird music. There was a pretty questionable enemy known as Headhunter. Mm, yeah, I'm glad you looked that up because I wasn't sure what the name of that enemy was. Otherwise, I feel like most of the questionable things were were Gex's barks. Yeah, so let's talk about Gex's barks a little bit in Jungle World. Yeah. Um, I the ones that stuck out to me, the thing in in both this world and the Kung Fu, I almost said Kung Fu Land again, Kung Fuville. He references in jungle world when he's on the little like floating platform he will sing surf in usa and then also like hum it a little bit or something Mm -hmm. um so he's got two surf in usa focus barks and then uh, kind of looking ahead a little bit in kung fuville there's a lot of fireworks and he he says uh something about the fourth of july which i think is another song reference and I don't know, something about the fact that he's singing these songs about America while he's in these two levels, like, especially rubs through the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it, you know, they're pop culture references. They're not necessarily like it's not targeted. Uh, it's not like knowingly problematic, but something about that. You know, I, I guess what I would say is I prefer those to him doing like a racist accent, which I think, thankfully, he only does maybe once or twice that I'm aware of. And I don't know that I've yeah. heard it. I don't know. If, I don't actually remember if I heard either any of those barks in, in my playthrough this time. But yeah, I don't think I did either. Any specific lines that you want to talk about, Amelia? This is, this is jumping ahead to Kung Fu, the Kung Fu place. But the, the algorithm, like the, the system that picks which barks to play seemed to be slightly glitched for me. In that for like three, four times in a row, he would just keep saying, I'm having Nam flashbacks and I wasn't even there. I'm having Nam flashbacks and I wasn't even there. Oh, no. I'm having Nam flashbacks and I wasn't even there. Interesting. Yeah, the my like revelation about the the way that the um the bark system uh works this time is that uh, I've been pretty I, we established last time that I switched versions. I went from the PC version to the 3DO version. And with that, uh, you know, I really wasn't interested in replaying Graveyard World when it wasn't going to be content. So uh, I used the cheat code to do level select and just jump right into uh, New Toon Land. And uh, this time I 
really made some liberal uh, use of the save state system in my emulator. Yeah. So I, I guess, Amelia, maybe we want to establish how how heavily have you been making use of save states throughout your playthrough? Pretty heavily now. Yeah. I think I think the game is just so unforgiving in terms of one bad jump will cause you to redo multiple minutes of I was going to say work and then I said I shouldn't call it work cuz it's a game and then I will say no this game does feel like work. Well, it's it's gex work what we're doing and gex work is real work, so it is important and it is work. So don't 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 diminish what we're doing here cuz it is important and we should we should own it. Yeah, uh, I I also, you know, maybe use a little bit of save states in the Toon Land, but really, really, really just lean on those pretty hard at this point. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm dialing it in, but I am I am hitting those phone keys quite a quite a bit. I'm I'm sm- smashing that save uh, save state button. I've got them mapped on my controller, so whenever I move a couple steps and to the right. Um, I can just kind of smash that button and basically just like stutter step my way all the way through the the level. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little rough. And I think in these levels, you know, like so so talking specifically about the levels, uh, I believe the jungle world, I don't have it up in front of me, but I think the first one is called Feeding Frenzy. It's the one with all the fish. And yeah, there's a lot of water and the water is unique, I think in that Gax can actually get into it and not die immediately. Yeah. He can He can kind of, like, you fall into it, and you will fall for... I think it does, like... You can't jump immediately. It's not like you can immediately... Like, when you play a Mario game or something, and you can kind of, like, swim in the water. It's not quite like that. It's just kind of like they turn off your jumping for a little bit, and then eventually you get it back. And, and well, like, your movement and your jumping are both different. Like, other than that cooldown period, it feels more like moon physics than water physics. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little weird. It doesn't feel very good, uh, like most things in this game. Uh, but the the interesting thing to me is that it's kind of, um, I don't know, and I suppose maybe you could do this in Mario games, too, where it's just, I, I you know, you have this op- option to jump on this little raft, and it will sort of give you an auto-scrolling sequence through the level. But I did not have the patience for that. So I just jumped in the water and I just kind of skipped along the water. And I wasn't really punished for that. It kind of felt like that was a fine way to to get through the level. Yeah. And it's funny because it feels like, like, spoiler alert, there is a full swimming level later on with swimming in quotes using the same sort of like jumping mechanic. And like this level felt like a gentle introduction to how water works, which like, if there was one mechanic in this entire game they were going to reuse across multiple levels instead of everything being one-offs, why did we need multiple water levels? You know, the the kids just love water levels. That's what I always say. You do say that all the time. I do say that all the time. It's it's a, a quirk that I have. Yeah, so... Standing around, running around like Gex. And like Dana Gould, you just keep saying that over and over again. The kids love water levels. Gotta keep it wet. Uh, the I guess I kind of got sidetracked from my other point I was making about the save states. What I something I noticed about the bark specifically with the save state system is that when I would save state and then I would jump and I would like do that stupid thing that people do 
stupid thing that I do specifically uh, with save states where I get myself in a situation where I'm pretty much on a, on a path to destruction. Um, I'm saving, I have momentum, I'm, I'm walking into a, a trap and I have one health left and I'm going to die. And yet my, my brain, uh, my lizard brain uh, is like, oh, uh, it was such a good idea to map this to your controller so you could just do it reflexively. So <laughs> you do it and then it's like you walk into a fish and then you die and then you reset and you walk into a fish and you die and then you reset and you just kind of keep doing that with tiny variations on your jump and movement until eventually you get it right and you get to move on. But what I noticed in that little segment where I got uh, just kind of locked in to this uh, never ending uh, torment death cycle, uh, Gex always had the same voice line queued up. So that was like, it's not like something, mm. there's like some kind of seeding happening, right? Where they like roll the dice and they pick the line um, and then they kind of store that value and they keep it ready. So every time I hit that fish, I would hear the same freaking voice line i forget which one it was but i heard it 20 times in that moment because i kept hitting that fish which is also interesting because the uh the level with the like snake and the giant holes i don't know whether to call that a boss fight or not that that can be a contentious discussion that wasn't deterministic and then what i would save and load like at the exact moment it wanted to spawn the whatever that creature was it would pick the hole closest to you to spawn it from yeah, that's true. I am. I got to tell you, Amelia, I am real excited to talk about that snake. So um, maybe I, maybe don't get too far ahead of ourselves here because uh, you get me talking about that snake. I'm not going to shut up. So do you have anything <laughs> else you want to talk about, about um, feeding frenzy or the other whether one there's other level? There was Congo Chaos, which was the, the sort of Indiana Jones bomb with the, the spike traps that was pretty uninteresting, except except that it's it's in largely auto scroll right yeah was it oh yeah because it was in the temple right yeah yeah so i think they were like trying to capture like an indiana jones rolling boulder feel without having to actually implement a rolling boulder <laughs> yeah um so i will say I, I had a note about that one that uh i i thought it was f i thought it was fun that uh we we're in a single world and yet we had another tile set for the level Right, yeah, because I don't think we've had that before. It's usually always the same aesthetic throughout the whole world. I I think like the the like light world dark world puzzle that I liked and you didn't like had mm. custom background art and some other stuff. But I don't think it wasn't like this where it was a completely different tile set. It was there were there was like a different background and there were some other set pieces that were different, like that weird baffling moon you jump on. Yeah, yeah. So um, for context, in case you haven't played this, uh, listeners, which Really, you're you're, listening, you're putting yourself through this, and you haven't done the homework. I guess chase your bliss. But the first level was actually, you know, we're in jungle world, so the first level actually was outdoors in a jungly kind of environment. Um, the second level is in like an in indoors, like a uh, temple kind of thing, and uh, it's aesthetically very different and uh, very not fun because it's an auto scroller. And uh, at times just feels a little unfair. And again, thank God for save states, because there were moments in which, uh, uh, you know, you come to an area and basically you just have like a chute that you fall down 
and then you have to climb up as fast as you can. You better remember about that run button, because if you don't remember the run button is there, you will not make it through this segment. And I think there there was one segment in particular where there are like a bunch of it sort of zigzags up and down. And so it expects you to sort of climb up the wall and then quickly jump down. Yeah, I I suspect it might have been possible without the speed power up, maybe technically. But like if you didn't happen to pick up the speed power up, you were going to have a hard time. Oh, yeah. And I did. I did have a hard time because I did not have the speed power up. I, I just ran. And uh, once again, I was able to kind of perfect a leg of that of that segment and be like, oh, I'm going to fall down this pit as fast as I can. And then I could save state once I had kind of nailed that part. And then I could just kind of keep uh, slowly through a war of attrition on that piece. And uh, it's miserable because if you fall off the screen, uh, basically, it will it will squish you. You will have uh, it's an immediate death. There's no uh, it's not going to pause and let you catch up or anything. It's just it doesn't matter how many hearts you have, how many uh, gecko paws you have, you will die. So um, I also want to note there is a gecko Indiana Jones in this level. Yep. And I don't know if we talked about this when we had the super gecko uh, enemy in the the tune world, but like, dang, there are a lot of geckos in in this game that are not geks. Yeah, which I guess also raises the question, like narratively, what is this world we're in? Like, did Rez create these TV worlds just for Gex to inhabit? Did he place those geckos there? I mean, it certainly seems that way, right? And, and like the 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 overarching the the narrative thrust, right? The the main reason that Gex is even here is that Rez wants him as the new mascot for for TV. For it's not clear if it's like for a specific station. Actually, I don't think that's clear. I maybe I need to look at the manual again. But like, it seems like he's got a lot of he's got a lot of geckos on his yeah. on his payroll already. But not the right one. Not the right one. He's he really he's really stuck on Gex uh, being the mascot for his for his television station or whatever. Uh, you know, because the first world we have the Franken Gecko. Uh, we have the Fra- Frankie Frankenstein Gecko. I can understand why maybe that one's not a great fit for a mascot. He's a little scary looking. I think he would frighten children. Um, that's understandable. Super Gecko, a little more uh, affable, a little bit more like normal looking. Yeah, he's very buff, which is a weird vibe. But like when we hit the Indiana Jones Gecko, which I probably should figure out what his actual name is. Indiana Gecko. Indiana Gecko. Thank you. And like that dude, like I don't, you know, so when you, when you kill, when you murder, cold murder these enemies, they do kind of just turn to TV static and go away. So it's kind of hard to say like how much like of a real thing that they are. Yeah. How like mutable they are. But like Indiana Jones gecko, Indiana gecko, if you took off his like little outfit, basically if you stripped him naked, he would be Gex, right? He wouldn't be that different from Gex. Oh, so so all geckos look the same to you. He does look different. Okay, that I know this is the problematic episode, but don't don't do this. Don't cancel me so early into the series. Do you really want to host the show by yourself, Amelia? Oh, God, no. Do you really want me gone? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Maybe think twice before you try to cancel me. Yeah. And then and then again, getting the Kung Fu world a little bit. There's also like a, a sword wielding gecko in that one. So there's a lot of choice that Rez has. 
um, as far as geckos to choose from. But man, he just really loves Gex. Maybe it's because he's actually Gex's father. We haven't established that yet. We're we're gonna find out later on, probably. But um, yeah, I just uh, I don't know. It's the the plot thread is tenuous in my opinion. Should we talk about the sun snake? I do want to talk about the sun snake. I do have one one more thing I want to say about this temple level. Mm-hmm. It drove me bonkers that they had these pots in the level. Yes, and you can't break you can't them. Whip them. You can't do anything. You can't to do them. anything to them. And it's like if I've learned one thing, sh- like Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past, come out at this point. It did, right? I believe it was ninety three or ninety four. Yeah. So I feel like the game, like. The kids of the gaming world already had their taste of like property dis- property destruction, right? They were like, I yeah. just want to break every freaking thing in this nice. place. I assume the Aladdin video games were also prior to this. Yes. So plenty pop breaking was already a, a, a favored pastime for uh, children everywhere at this point. And uh, they put these freaking pots in here. And like, honestly, Amelia, we have a lot of questions in the show. There's a lot of things that come up, you know, like what does Garfield have to do with Gex? What are there connections there? Right. This is like almost a Gex files segment that I could probably do right now, but like, what is with these goddamn pots? Why are they there? Why can't you do anything to them? Why they're not, they're, they're very bright. They're very like, you know, like when you watch like an old Scooby-Doo cartoon and you see like the painted, like hands, hand painted yeah, background. Yeah, like the, the, this is a cell that is intended to move rather than a background object. Yes, and the the one thing is like brighter colored, and obviously the thing in the scene that's going to animate that it's like, oh, obviously that uh, set of knight's armor is the one that's going to have a ghost in it because it's a different color than all the other ones, and it's just like it is there. Why is it there? It's obviously like was meant to do something at some point. This yeah, is my level greatest designers hand placed each of these. The level designers hand placed each and every one of these. This is going to keep me up at night, Amelia. I'm going to lose sleep over this. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to have to learn. I I was resisting to get really deep into the 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 guts of this game and like digging through the code and the data, but like maybe I need to do it now. Maybe I need to go I, I we'll do a segment on the cutting room floor stuff later. We kind of talk about the beta and like the you know, stuff that maybe didn't make the final cut of the game. Maybe there's something in there. I don't remember seeing anything, but also it probably didn't, you know, it didn't flag anything in my mind uh, in the same way that yeah. it would now. So very weird, very innocuous, going to literally kill me. So please, once again, uh, if you worked in this goddamn game, uh, <laughs> please email us and tell us what is up with the pots because I need to know. In the meanwhile, keep your eyes out for the, the official Oral Gex fan patch. The patches in Destroyable Pots. Yes. That's one, the one uh, good thing that I want to come out of this podcast. It's I want to fix those pots. <sighs> All right. Let's talk about Sun Snake because he f- freaking rules. Uh, first of all, this level is officially called Jungle Gym. Yes. You are, you are correct. <laughs> Um, so Jungle Gym is a level in the 1995 one million copies sold uh, hit video game Gex, and it has a big snake in it, and it's really cool. It is ostensibly a boss level, 
which is a little bit unique because I think it's the only boss level in this game in which you are not actually like doing combat directly with the boss. It is. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a boss level until a boss died. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It is a strange. Um, you know, you kind of are going vertical up this. Uh, uh I, it makes me think about like ice climbers or something just like a vertical uh like rock climbing kind of experience you jump up on these platforms it was it took me an embarrassingly embarrassingly long time to realize that to remember to recall that uh gex is able to to cling to the back wall and climb on it oh no so that would have been nice to know a little bit earlier but uh <laughs> luckily uh the hitboxes for these platforms are just are just wild and uh if you jump up and kind of just barely basically if you get like gex's head above the platform you get like his the top half is his torso above the platform it will just kind of like extrude him out on top of it so it is very easy to make jumps that do not seem like they should be makeable but yeah i got about halfway up the up the the wall the, the rock climbing wall and then realize that you can literally stick to the wall and climb it. Yeah, I never realized that. And I was <laughs> I was surprised because without that knowledge, this appeared to be the first level that had jumps that required you to long jump. Like there were some left to right or right to left jumps yeah. that you just couldn't make those unless you were holding down the run button. Um, that's still accurate, I think. I, I don't think that because there was a segment in which like soon after I figured out that I could climb in the walls, which was like nice. I was trying to climb up further and uh, if there's like breaks in the wall, right. Obviously the holes where the snake kind of comes through, but also like little cracks of like TV static coming through the walls. You can't climb through those. So there was a part in which the, there was no connected tissue where Gex could climb straight up through the wall. And the platforms were like, the one on the very far far left side and then one on the very far right side. So I had to do a running jump there. And once again, I'm going to say, uh, well, I did fall down a couple times and I did have to, you know, lose some progress and make my way back up. And I did actually do that. I didn't I didn't save scum that part, but I did frequently, uh, you know, hit smash that save save state button and kind of work my way up there like that. But if I had to like just outright redo this level uh a number of times i might not have been so hot on it but i do love that freaking snake though it is a very cool snake i thought it was cool like i I was not as effusively positive about this level as you were but it was more enjoyable than the other two levels i think i mean it's a it's a pretty low bar i'm gonna say i don't think i really liked any of the bosses in this game but i like this one because i don't have to fight it yeah that's true yeah and it just looks cool I don't know. I'm trying to like place what this is like evoking for me because there's definitely like a, a game of this era that the snake is is like unlocking some memory in my brain. I want to say like uh, Comic Zone was a Genesis game in which there's like a lot of like mutants and like comic booky things. I feel like maybe there was a segment where there's a big snake jump like jumping out of holes like this. I think of like Ristar or Rystar, whatever you want to call it, the little little Starman platformer for the Sega. I don't like Gunstar Heroes. There's a bunch of games that like may or may not have a giant snake in them, but I recall one of them being something like this. I recognize these all as names of games I have not played, so I'll take your word for it. Okay. Yep. 
um, in that case, all these games have a giant snake in them, and they are exactly like this fight, and that's why I love all of these games. So, note note to anyone trying to uh, to get a ten out of ten review score from me: put a giant snake in your game, have them jump through walls. Ten out of ten, it's easy. Don't even pay me anything. All right, so uh, I think that about does it for Jungle World. Do you want to talk about Kung Fu? Kung Fuville? I know want is want is a strong word. Yeah, it's almost like I I don't want to say that there are forms of racism that are fun to talk about, <laughs> but but like this was like just racist in a way that isn't even productive to unpack. <laughs> oh well, I guess we have our soundbite for for next week. Um, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's the thing is like. They were like pretty subtle in Jungle World. We really only had the headhunter as like a very like explicit like ooh hit that problematic light kind of enemy. But the yeah Kung Fu Land is as the name implies um, just kind of a lot. Yeah, it's like I think like I think the point I was trying to make is like I don't even know how much of it is worth talking about because it's not like. It's not like there is anything novel to come out of the fact that, like, oh, right, this world is racist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's all the way it's it's racist in all the ways you would expect, you know, just like, yeah, the the sound design, the the characters, the 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 barks. I, I guess like one one good concrete example to give people a feeling for like, what are we talking about here? There there is a character. There's an enemy in the first level and maybe some of the other ones that is just like a big Japanese sumo wrestler walking around. And then you jump on his head and kill him. And then his corpse becomes a like trampoline. So you get like a twofer of both racism and fat phobia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was something that I wanted to point out is like, I, I, I murdered that, that large sumo, sumo man. And I was like, he didn't turn to static. Is this a real man? Did I just murder a real man? Is Gex a real murderer now? Am I still in a TV or did I come out at some point and now I'm actually doing real murders? And no, he's, I guess he's just taking a little nap. Uh, and then Gex gets to use his tummy as a trampoline, uh, which was like, as soon as I was like, you know, it, it, it took me a second of like panic. Like, what, why is he still here? What's happening? And then I realized like, oh, oh, they want me to jump on his tummy. And I was like, yeah, all right. Um, let's, uh, let's just move on, I guess. Yeah. So we've got the sumos. We've got, uh, you know, the, again, we have a, a gecko that is, uh, wielding swords, a lot of firecrackers, a lot of weird, yeah. like firecracker platform segments and like music as you would expect, etc. Like, I think there is re- really no justifying the aesthetics of this world in 2022. Um, yeah, between that and the actual level design itself, maybe one of the worst worlds. <laughs> yeah, it ain't great. Um, I guess maybe let's just should we just talk about Toxic Turtle. Yeah. Well, first, I want to complain about the entire swimming level. <laughs> oh, I forgot. about. I blocked it out. It was traumatizing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have another uh, like I'm always saying, kids love uh, water levels. You got to keep it wet. Uh, and Gex keeps it very wet in this in this level. I particularly liked when, like, with no warning or explanation, even though you spent the entire level just like jumping and walking through this water, 
suddenly towards the end of the level, they introduce a new mechanic where the water rapidly switches between is it like normal water or is it toxic water that kills you? And it becomes that style of level of like, go hide in a safe spot until it changes back to normal, which like, as far as water levels go, that is a perfect fine mechanic. Like, I'm not going to say I like the sort of thing, but it is a genre convention. Sure. It just started in the middle of the level with no explanation. <laughs> yeah. Um, very little, you know, like we talked about, like, we'll throw back to uh, a rocket, uh, a level from New Toon Land. And there's a very nice kind of curve in that level where they kind of show you like, here's the rocket. You ride the rocket. If you fall off of it, it's no big deal. There's this floor underneath and you can walk right back, climb back up and get back on the rocket. Um, and then it kind of like evolved that mechanic as the level goes on. This one, it's like zero to 60. It's like uh, you just suddenly are in an area where you're swimming in the water, especially if you get on a c- cycle, right? If you like are on a cycle where the water is not green and you jump in it and you're like, eh, this is water. It's just like water like anywhere else in the level. And you get halfway through it and it turns green, you die. And you're like, what? Why did this happen? There, there's no onboarding this mechanic. There's no kind of signposting for it. There was also, so generally that area, like you would find little alcoves, like you would swim up into an area where you had like a little pocket of air and you could, and you could hang out on the wall and wait for it to change. There was exactly one space where they wanted you to wait, where there was a fake wall. So it looked like a normal wall. And there was like some some of the collectibles pointing an arrow towards that way to let you know to go there. And you had to like go through the fake wall that wasn't actually a wall, uh-huh. which again, like it's a genre trope, like the Donkey Kong Country 2, like first world has like levels built on that concept. But that is literally the only time in the level they did that. Yep. Yeah. It's a very strange. Uh, lots of Lots of choices that they made in this level that uh, I don't entirely agree with. I will say, um, yeah, the the little bits about the the kind of like air pocket areas you kind of swim up, up into and you kind of just stand out in the way for the, the water to transition. There's one point where I got up in one of those pockets and I had a fish on my ass. Uh, and the uh, my health, I think, was at one. So basically the fish was just kind of like stuck on the on the level uh tiles and if i waited to jump in the water the fish would just get at me basically immediately so uh, i think i took a screenshot of that that i'll just help to share but uh, it was not great um and then also i want to point out the the red water in this level yeah do you recall the red water do you see that i recall it being in a few spots and it just insta kills you right yeah so there's red water that uh, does not seem to transition, does not seem to like shift color shift back and forth to like a, a swimmable water. It seems to just be red the whole time. If you jump into it, you die immediately. Like there's no, it's not even like, yeah. uh, you know, you lose a hit point or something. It's like you have full health. You will die if you touch this water. I, in another level, I forget which, whatever the next level is, um, there is uh, these segments where you're kind of like jumping on platforms that are slowly sinking into the into the red water. Right. Yeah. Um, and at one point I did get the invincibility fly and I tried jumping in the red water and it still killed me. So uh, there's there's like, you know, there's a read on this. that's like, oh, it's just like a, it's just like a bad pit. It's just like a, a, a more flavorful pit that you jump into. But like, yeah, 
near the end of the the water level, the the very very watery level, at the very end there's a red pit, uh, there's a red water pit with collectibles right above it, and it, it yeah. makes me feel like you can go in that pit, but it doesn't seem like there is any physical. There is no possible way within the constraints of this video game that you can get Gex into that pit. Hmm. Another thing that is going to keep me up at night. Is it turtle time? I think it's turtle time. Uh, So Toxic Turtle is honestly another pretty good boss, in my opinion. Probably my second favorite after uh, Sunsnake, as we've established. And uh, Toxic Turtle is kind of based on like the, you know, kaiju sort of big uh who's the who's the turtle gamera yes okay because gex talks about talks talks about gamera i also have so look at the wiki the gex wiki page right now and there's a couple little little gems i want to point out about toxic turtle and just kind of like about these these wiki pages in general mm-hmm. um that bring it on if you i'll, I'll link this in the show notes because if you haven't been looking at the gex gex wiki pages they're they're pretty good um there's always a bit of like, you know, the typical wiki. You've got like a the name of the thing. You've got like a, a picture of it. Um, it does say status deceased, which like canonically, I suppose that's true. Um, all these bosses are canonically deceased, according to his wiki pages, which is very funny. I also want to point out that uh, Toxic Turtle's gender, according to Gex Wiki, uh, Toxic Turtle is genderless, parentheses, cyborg. And yet, and yet, this wiki uses he/him pronouns for to- for Toxic Turtle. Although I would, I would not read that as canonical. No, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they're getting this genderless. Uh, I, I, I think if you're a cyborg, you could have a gender. I think cyborg specifically yeah. is like you know you're half human, half robot, right? So it's like if there's any part of these human and like engaging with gender constructs, that's probably you know appropriate for a cyborg to do so too. Yeah, I think. I think. In my head canon, Toxic Turtle is non-binary. I think that's probably wh- what I would what I would label them as. But yeah, as as distinct from genderless. Yes. So Toxic Turtle is a, a non-binary uh, cyborg turtle. I also I noticed this uh, last time with the the flatulator, and I forgot to bring it up. But on the background section of every single one of these bosses, it does say. I'll quote here, Toxic Turtle was an associate of Rez, which is just a very funny phrasing to me, because it also does say in the Flatulators page, the Flatulator was an associate of Rez. Sunsnake was an associate of Rez. Rez has a lot of associates. He associates with a lot of people. Yes. And I, I just really love that phrasing. I like imagining that, like, um, until Gex brutally murdered them all. Uh, that like Rez and Toxic Turtle and Sunsnake and uh, the Flatulator and the the woman's name. I can't believe I can't remember the the one the one female character in this game's name. Is it Michaela? Uh, no. So, I, I like imagine. Well, she probably didn't get invited. Actually, I was I was gonna say I like imagining all of them sitting around like playing poker. Um, at yeah, Gex's, she was definitely not invited <laughs> at Rez's house, but uh, she probably wasn't invited. Actually, I need to go see if she actually says associate on her page because it'd be really funny if she didn't. Uh, Morphina was her name. Morphina. I got the M right. And uh, no, it does not say associate. Well, hold on. Hold on. I'm on the wrong page. Morphina was an associate of Res. Okay. Okay, good. So 
at least associates, acquaintances. Who knows if they had a relationship beyond that. But yeah, anyway, I got off Toxic Turtle a little bit. Toxic Turtle is great, though. Toxic Turtle is a, a big a big turtle that uh, kind of jets around the stage and uh, you tail whip it and it goes it goes bonkers. Yeah, his hip boxes, their hip boxes were kind of messed up, but that's fine. Yep. Um, that's just par for the course, what baby. But I found like if I had any criticism about the Toxic Turtle, I think like it was a once you understood his pattern execution was very straightforward like it was a very rigidly programmed boss fight and the difficulty entirely came from realizing like okay he's going to move here and i can whip him and then he will drop down here based on where he is and then he will do this and i whip him and it was very regimented like there was no improvisation once you understood what to do yeah i mean that feels like classic 90s platformer games for the most part just like pattern recognition I do feel like the curve of difficulty is a little strange here because like I couldn't beat the flatulator. If I'm if I'm if I'm confessing my sins right now, my my gex crimes, I'd never beat that boss. I did level select to get to this uh the worlds this week that I need to do. I never I never officially beat the flatulator. He canonically in my world, he is not deceased. He is still out there flatulating. But Sunsnake and the turtle they were kind of pushovers. Oh, I I found the turtle maybe slightly more difficult than the flatulator, like really? not meaningfully more difficult. Okay. But I spent more time trying to beat it. But I think that's like I was saying that it took me longer to figure out exactly what to do, mm-hmm. and then it was just a slog of how slow it was because he like takes so much health, and there is no indication of how close you are to done. Yeah. Um. Well, what I will say too is like the because the the turtle is consistently attacking from above, right? It's like, you know, it it will yeah. it will kind of like do its like back and forth like uh, you know, attack when it's angry after it's hit, but when it's doing its normal attack, it's kind of like bombing you. And then if you if you hit it while it's low down on the screen and it starts raising up, you can mo- it's it's easy to get like off of it and kind of take damage anyway. Yeah. But it's pretty easy to relatively easy to do your little tail bounce. And just keep tail bouncing on it as it's raising up. And then as soon oh, as... Oh, yeah, see, I, I, I had a lot of trouble repeating that tail bounce over and over again. I would tail bounce once and then get hit. Yeah, it's not it's not consistent as consistent as it should be. It feels like it should be better than that. But, like, at least you can keep some kind of, like... You can kind of, like, maintain a position in a way that you couldn't with the flatulator. Because you have those freaking anvils dropping on you all the time. And he moves so fast. And he gets up to the point where you can't really get above him anymore. So I, like I will that. say this also had my least favorite death in the game, which was so more or less every time you deal damage to it, like a few a few like chips of robot turtle shell come flying off. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, I don't think that hurts you. However, the last time, like the last hit before it dies, it sheds off like a bunch of them. And apparently one of those was able to kill me. <laughs> um yeah so this i actually i recall this now i forget i I think i'm probably mentioned this episode one but in my morphina fight as well uh there is also a way in which you can die after the remote has been has been revealed to you and uh i certainly died in that way so um i guess officially i've only beaten 
one boss in this game because uh, a gorilla comes in and murders Sun Snakes. Gex doesn't actually do it with his own his own hands. He doesn't do the dirty work. So I've what only I'm, officially what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is Izzy Kestrel, self alleged Gex's number one fan, is a poser. You know what? I think Gex is more than the sum of its parts of his parts. Uh, I. I think I think the the lessons that we are learning from this game, the lessons that I'm learning from this game, is that the Gex lore, the Gex uh, characterization, Gex parentheses character versus Gex parentheses 1995 video game, um, I think is is a, a character that's more, yeah. I, I think I think Gex is I think Gex is very good. I don't think his first game is very good, and I think he finds his footing a little bit better in later games. And I'm fine with that. I don't need to play this freaking game. I'm happy that I'm happy that I made it through with save states. I'm I'm okay with uh, taking that L. I don't need to be uh, the number one Gex esports pro gamer in the world. I also want to mention, did, Amelia, did you ever see the the 1980, 19, early 90s? I forget the Ninja Turtles movie, the first live action one. No, really. Did you see the second live action one? I have not seen any of the live action Ninja Turtles movies. Okay, so not the third one neither then. Nope. Okay. Well, I'll have to post the thing. The in the second movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, they introduce uh I don't think they're called Bebop and Rocksteady in that movie. I think they have different names, but uh in the like original canon from the cartoon or whatever i don't i don't i'm not a big ninja turtles person i actually don't know why i know all this stuff but they introduced bebop and rocksteady which is like the the snapping turtle and the rhino that like shredder has mutated and um there's a segment where they go turtles go and meet bebop and rocksteady in like the middle of this um like abandoned like construction site or something and their little scam is that they're going to uh, they brought donuts and they've injected the donuts with some kind of like reverse mutation ser- serum that they will feed the Bebop and Rocksteady and it will make them not mutants anymore. They'll just be normal, harmless uh, snapping turtles. And hmm. I guess a rhino would still be pretty harmful, right? Like, <laughs> I don't think you really diffuse the situation by making the rhino yeah. not mutated anymore. But there's a segment in which uh, when they do this and they bring the donuts, the turtles are trying to convince Bebop and Rocksteady to eat the donuts because they don't, they're like little babies. They don't know what donuts are. They don't know how, like how the world works, but like uh, one of the turtles goes up and and he opens the box. He's like, nom noms. And one of the Bebop Rocksteady, whoever is like nom noms and turtles like, yeah, nom noms. And he's like rubbing his tummy and Bebop and Rocksteady like go and sift the donut. And they're like, nom noms and they start like smashing donuts in their mouth and something about the way i'm excited to hear this connects to gex (laughs) it doesn't at all i just really love the way that they say nom noms and i think about it all the time and i just really wanted a platform to talk about how much i love this scene so that's all i have i just had the most tenuous the, the lightest connection to make and i wanted to waste uh five minutes of your time on that so i appreciate it that's all i got all right well um i think that's gonna about do it for this week's oral gex next week we are going to i think we're gonna wrap up this uh this trial 
we're gonna do it. We are gonna complete Gax nineteen ninety five. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put the cap on Gax nineteen ninety five. Um, or at the very least, we're going to defeat. We're gonna we're gonna travel to Rezopolis and we're going to defeat uh, Rez and save Gax from his. You know, I wonder if Gax. I wonder if Rez is gonna pay him. Like, if Rez was like, "Oh, you're gonna be the new mascot for for my TV station." Do you think he's going to get a paycheck for that? I mean, also, like, if you're a guy who just sits around by yourself in your giant mansion watching TV all day, is that a positive change in your life? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. You're kind of, hmm, because you're not really getting into content creation, right? You're not getting to like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, oh, I'm going to be a TV writer or something. I'm going to like make entertainment like the stuff that I like. You're just you're just literally like a shill. You're just like selling out and becoming like the the advertisements embodied, and uh, that doesn't seem great. Also, Gex is rich, so like I don't <laughs> think he's really worried about the money um, in this situation. And and I guess again, we should. I guess I forgot that he was effectively kidnapped by Rez, so probably there's no paycheck in it for him if he uh, is yeah. trapped in TV land, but. I don't know. Um, yeah. So if you are, if you are playing along with us next week, we will talk about Rizopolis. We will probably also go on YouTube to watch video footage of the bonus worlds because I don't know about you, Izzy, but I have not been unlocking the the bonus TV remotes. Absolutely not. I actually didn't even find a bonus level in Jungle Jungle World or Kung Fu World. Yeah, did I? So I might actually also might uh, want to YouTube those and just see if they're interesting or not because I did think that the the weird bouncy wall uh, level from the last world was kind of interesting, but um, yeah. Also, also Rezopolis only seems to have two levels and then the boss fight, which like weird pacing in this game, as far as like yeah. content for these levels, you know, they got, they got bored of making the game as they were going along. <laughs> I guess so. But then you go look at planet X, planet X has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight levels. <sighs> dang that's a lot of levels that we're not going to play all right well uh that's probably about all we got this week um i hope you enjoyed another uh riveting episode of oral gex and i'm, I'm uh, apologize once again that you didn't get to hear uh amelia just embarrassingly totally bombed well, the power-up quiz just Oh my god, it was it was delightful how how little she knows about these power-ups. But uh I would encourage you to actually I oh wait, 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 hold on. I was gonna I was gonna take us out. We do have questions this week. Let's just let's just touch on these. Well real do quick. we do we wanna do that now or do we wanna wait for next week since next week might be a faster week with only one world? Um well one is a clarification of something that we talked about okay. last week. So cool. let me let me talk about that real quick. Trash Alex writes in and uh notes that the um the reference um from the manual about the dog being named Indy. Oh, the Indy reference, yeah. Yes. Uh the dog isn't named after Indiana Jones rather than canonically, Indiana Jones is named after his dad's dog. Ah. Uh, uh not really sure how it was a joke the way in the manual put it though. Yeah, I agree. Uh and then they go on to say, uh World Three and Four sound bad. Good luck. So thank you for that. Do appreciate that. And then from Emily, uh, we've got Dear Gex Workers. What has been your favorite Gex level so far? I think mine be, might be the boss of the jungle world because that worm 
so that warm boss looked cool. Also, is listening to podcasts while playing Gex cheating. I feel like I'm not experiencing the proper amount of pain by not listening to Gex talk. How do you feel about that? I agree that you are not getting the full Gex experience without without the audio. I'm not going to judge you though. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. Are you? Let me let me reread this. Are you looking? Are you listening to our podcasts or are you mm, listening to someone else's podcast? If it's our podcast, I think that's okay. Especially if you're listening, <laughs> if you're if you're uh, lagging behind a week. And then playing the world that we're talking about as oh, we're talking yeah. about it. I think that's wonderful. I think that's the ideal way to for future generations to play this uh, play this podcast. But what I think would also work pretty well is if there is a podcast starring Dana Gould. Yes, and there may well be. I should probably, probably find out. So uh, just just so everyone knows. Uh, if it's not obvious, my favorite world is is Graveyard World because I played it uh, literally a million times when I was a kid. I, I still think my favorite level is the controversial pick that that secret level of Toon Land or Toon World. Okay, but your the favorite world, but your favorite world, world though. Favorite worlds. Yes. Probably Toon World, but it's but it's close. Close to what? What's the runner up? I feel like the variance across all of them is relatively slim. Oh, okay. So you're copping out then. Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I gave a number one pick. All right. That's yeah, that's all they asked for. So um maybe next week if you want to email again and make Amelia pick to rank them rank them uh all all <laughs> right the in and ask for your second favorite world. Second favorite world. Yeah, I'm, pro- but- I'm probably Jungle World the second favorite because it is short and not as racist as Kung Fu Bill. Mercifully short. That's that's what we'll say about that. And then, yeah, and then and Big Snake is good. We love a Big Snake. I do love that Big Snake. The Big Snake is very good. All right. So uh, if you want to also have your questions forgotten about until the last moment and then <laughs> quickly answer at the end of the podcast, uh, you can write it to us uh, via our email, questions at oralgex.com, or you can shoot us a DM. I guess you could also just reply to the tweets too. Like, unless you like really have something very private that you need to discuss. And then at that point, maybe you don't want us to discuss it on a podcast. Maybe you do. I don't know. But you can also add us or uh, DM us on Twitter at OralGexPod. And uh, with that, I think we're going going to uh, cut you loose this week. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, I will also add quickly, you should also rate us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Ooh, that's, the, that's good. That's a big way that... that- you can get more people to discover the joy of Gex. Suffer through this with us. Um, Amelia, you have any, any favorite quotes you want to you wanna shout out before we close? So I, I didn't actually encounter this one in-game, but according to the Gex wiki, let me, let me find this tab because I want to make sure I get it correct. I think roughly in line with, with our theme of, like, don't X the Y at Z's house. <laughs> um, According to the Gex Wiki, one of the one of the barks at the start of one of the Jungle World levels is this place is hotter than Tom Arnold's sauna pants. Mm-hmm. I like that one. The one that really stood out to me this time, and the one I'm going to close out the podcast with is, if I had a life, I'd be glad to get back to it. <laughs>